0: Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction, Codependency, and Toxic Relationship Recovery. I am so glad you're here because this is and I know I don't I say this every single week, but I mean it because I only want to create content for you that I believe if you listen to and take into your life will actually change your life. And that's what I'm committed to. None of the fluff, cut through it, give you what you need to know so that you can actually make empowered decisions in your life with the addict, alcoholic or other toxic person and make a decision. I mean, here's the deal. The most important person thing, decision in your life that you can make, I think is who you're gonna do life with. You're either gonna do life with people that support you, that pour into you, that are partners to you, that come alongside of you and multiply you and add tremendous value to your life and see you and and, and understand you and love you and cherish you and support you, or you're gonna be in relationships with people that pull you away from the truth of who you are they whisper lies in your ear you believe you're not good enough you believe you can't do anything right they caught you're full of anxiety confusion resentment or pain that my friend is not a life for you and i am here to help you take a stand to figure out once and for all is this your person today we're going to answer a question that'll help you answer that question <laughs> okay we're going to talk about something that will help you answer that question and what we're going to talk about is: Is it narcissism or addiction? When this person gets better, okay, the addict or alcoholic that you're with, are they a good egg? Are they a really good human underneath of this addiction? Is what you believe about them true? But you know what? As soon as they get sober, oh boy, you're going to have just like it's like, oh boy, you know, we're going to have the life we've always wanted or when they get sober, are they still going to be on the spectrum of narcissism and you're still going to be unhappy in this relationship? So stick with me. I've actually come up with red flags, baby. Okay. Can you spot the red flags? There are five red flags that I'm going to give you to be able to tell the difference. Is it narcissism or addiction? Or when they get sober, are they going to be better? Are they going to be a good egg? Are they are they going to treat you with the love and respect you deserve? We're going to find out today. You do not want to miss one of these flags. Okay, stay with me. This isn't like the long, th- this is worth the whatever 25 minutes, 30 minutes it's going to take to invest in knowing this information because it's life's changing and saving. Can't tell you how many times people have come to me and been like, man, I wish I would have known sooner if this was my person. I wish I could have had crystal ball for you to tell me What's going to happen? And guess what, my love? I do. Here it is. How do I know is because, first of all, I've studied this stuff my whole life, right? This is the, the I've, de- I've dedicated the path, but teaching and, and learning, really learning, okay, inside of a drug and alcohol treatment center for almost a decade, where I taught codependency programs, ran and created the family program, all the healthy relationship classes and courses. I can tell you, I have seen thousands of addicts and alcoholics. I have helped hundreds of families and there are these five common flags that are common denominators that really are going to be true across the board. And you're going to be like, wow, this is holy grail information. So I encourage you get out a pen and paper, do whatever you need to do to take some notes, uh, make mental notes. If you're listening to the podcast, just, you know, maybe listen to it twice. So by the way, this episode is brought to you by Moa isn't that cool? i Heidi Rain. And you can learn more about all of the ways I can support you at HeidiRain.com. You know, once you figure out if this is your person, I have, a, I have courses that'll help you navigate it, stay in it, make it work, resolve it, fix it. I mean, deal in it, an amazing support system for you. Or if you decide it's time to get out of this thing, and heal from it. I have another course for you that will help you heal toxic relationship and codependency recovery course that will help you move on and put the past in the past and not repeat the same pattern again. And so many students have gone through, both programs have worked at saving their relationships and they're very happy. Yes, believe it or not. And then on the other side, I have people who have released the relationship and they are in the new thing that is you know, supportive, mutually beneficial and the relationship they always imagined. And I know that's possible for you. So here's how let's do this. I'm going to give you five common red flags that are narcissistic tendencies. Now, where do we learn these things? I like you love Dr. Romney. She's amazing, right? She specializes in narcissism and I've taken a lot of her courses whenever she has her options. I, her classes, I take them because I, I, I like her a lot. She's one of the people that I, um, learn from, you know, so I take classes. So I'm not a narcissistic expert, but I am an addiction and codependency expert. And I know that narcissism and addiction are exactly the same thing when it's active. Okay. So what I'm, I'm saying is I'm going to take some of these character traits that I've learned along the way, and I'm going to compare them to how they're true in addiction. And then how you can know if it's actually narcissism or addiction when they get sober. I mean, this is life-saving information if I do say so myself. Okay. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? Okay. We can all agree as we've learned from Dr. Romani and other people that one of the very first things we can recognize as a red flag of narcissism is somebody's self-centeredness. You know, it's all about them. And and this can really range on a spectrum, which is really interesting, right? From superiority. And this is about the pump up. I'm so great. I'm so awesome. Always singing their own praises from the rooftops, you know, making everybody aware of how incredible and how awesome they are and all the cool things they do and everybody did it. And then on this side, you have the inferiority complex, kind of narcissist, more like a covert narcissist, where it's the victim mentality. It's all about them, but it's all about how they keep getting the short end of the stick and nobody cares about them and nobody loves them and nobody's there for them and they can't do anything because nobody will let them and on and on. So now I'm probably singing a song and we're like, hmm, excessive self-centeredness ding, 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 moves from narcissism, ding, 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 over to addiction. And you're like, yeah, that's addiction and alcoholism. It is completely self-centered. In the face of everything else, your addict or the alcoholic in your life is like, they actually believe, I'm only affecting myself. I'm not hurting you. I'm only so there's a real blindness to their own self-centeredness that it is when they're active they're in their addiction, it's all about them. It's about their musing or getting or recovering from using or get, waiting to use or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's it's the addiction is totally self-centered. And what you'll notice is if it's on the narcissistic spectrum, all right, and they get sober and you're like, is this narcissism or addiction? When it moves over from over here, the self-centeredness to addiction, if it's healthy, In recovery, it'll start to go away a little bit and they'll have balance in their lives. They'll be like, okay, I can balance my recovery. I can balance my family. I can pay attention to you. I can pay attention to me. There's room for everybody. But if there are narcissistic tendencies in that person beyond their addiction, what you'll see in recovery is it's all about them again. Now, this is beyond the first 30, 60, 90 days, six months of recovery when it does need to be kind of all about them as they're trying to get better but it'll continue to be all about that. Their recovery will be all they talk about, all they do, their whole life will revolve around their recovery and everything they do revolves around it. That is a narcissistic tendency uh, path. Healthy person, a healthy partner, puts everything in a perspective. You know, whenever we... You know, recover, and we're a healthy person. We recover from addiction. It, it's no longer like I am an addict, or I identify—that's my whole entire identity in my life, and I, I, I roll with that, and it's everything to me. Versus, you know, what I'm a daughter, I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm a sister, I'm an employee, I'm a business owner, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in recovery. You know, there are many facets to our personalities, but when somebody's totally self-centered, it's all about them and their whole identity. Everybody's consumed with their identity. So how do you know if they're not healthy? There's no balance in their lives. And it's still all about them even after they get sober. That is red flag number one, that you might have a narcissistic tendency person as well as an addict on your hands. Now you can ask yourself, hmm, if this person would continue to make their life all about them, it's all about them and their addiction. And when they get sober, they still don't see me there's still all about them. They're still totally self-centered. They're doing everything for themselves and making themselves happy. And there's no contribution to my life. Then, hmm, maybe I just have a sober narcissist. That's what you're going to ask yourself. You ready for number two? I know you are. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? Are you bagging what I'm mowing? Okay, good. Number dos, flag two. We can all agree on the narcissistic spectrum is a lack of empathy. That's like grade A number one, right? And we can all go, yep, no empathy at all. Meaning there is no emotional availability or emotional recognition. Like I can see your emotions, Sarah. Yes, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like, what? What? Why do you feel that way? You gotta be kidding me. And if you grew up with a narcissist, you might've heard things like you feel too much. You think too much. I didn't do anything. You know, you, you shouldn't feel the way you feel. And I don't care how you feel and keep your feelings to yourself and go feel somewhere else. You're feeling all over me and you're annoying me. Okay, so now we can agree. We're gonna walk over from narcissist land into addiction land. And we're gonna go, lack of empathy, check, ding. Yes, lack of empathy. That's the very definition of addiction is I cannot see the pain I am inflicting upon you. I have no insight into your feelings or emotions. Why? I have no insight into my own. I don't even have empathy for myself. So expecting an addict or an alcoholic to have empathy is crazy. All right. I really want you to understand this. And how do I know you're still hanging on to that? Because you have conversations with them, love. You say things like, can't you see how you're hurting me? Don't you see what this is doing? Don't you care about what you're doing to our family? And addiction, my love, is unempathetic. It has none, none for ya, okay? No empathy in addiction at all. That chip is missing an act of addiction. So narcissism and addiction, same thing. Lack of empathy. Two red flags all, both the same. Now, how do you know if that lack of empathy is a real persistent thing or if it's just the addiction talking? And as soon as they get into recovery, they're going to get their wits back about them and have some empathy and see the impact they've had. Well, here's how you know. If they get into recovery, are they empathetic? Does the empathy return? Are they curious now about your feelings around this addiction and when it comes to them making amends, are they curious about how their addiction has impacted you? Are they willing to sit with you and be a safe space? Now, not immediately after recovery. Look, they are not ready to be a container for you until they can contain themselves. They're not going to be a safe space for you emotionally or psychologically until they are a safe space for themselves emotionally or psychologically. So in the meantime, you've got to go somewhere with your pain. That's why I recommend... Going to HeidiRain.com, sponsored by, okay. So you, you can get the support you need. You know, you can let me come alongside of you and, and let me be that safe space. But eventually, when somebody's in recovery and they're doing the damn thing, there will be a time where all that empathy will return and they will have a heart for you and understand the pain they have inflicted and that empathy will return. Now, what if it doesn't? What if they continue to go on about their lives and, and they still, they still don't have empathy. Like when you want to bring up this stuff from the past, they say things like, we should be over it already. That was already, that was like, that was last year. I mean, my God, how long are you going to carry this stuff around for, uh, you know, you to be over this by now, or you make me want to drink whenever you bring up the past, you know, then you're probably dealing with this addicted person just unmasked their narcissism. And now you have a sober narcissist. Okay, not somebody who's actively narcissistic when they're actively addicted. So is it a sober narcissist or is it an alcoholic or an addict? That's when they're in recovery, you'll find out because the empathy will return. You are doing so good. I'm so proud of you. You're doing amazing. You know, it's so important you get this information because like I said, I can't say this enough. If you know, you can be empowered and know that you are going to be with this person because you fully are aware and awake and you choose them. Your eyes are wide open. You can see them clearly. I don't want you to be blindsided. I don't want you to be over here thinking, oh man, as soon as they get sober, it's going to be so great. And they're they're not really a narcissist. Addiction is narcissistic, but as soon as they get sober, our lives are going to be great. And then Dang, all of a sudden you're like holy crap it is not what i thought it was going to be and this is a sober narcissist and this is how you're going to tell the the difference this is how you're going to start to notice these red flags and pay attention quicker amen all right grace we know in narcissist land obviously manipulation is part of the game how many times can we say gaslight in a narcissistic video 5227 okay gaslighting is part of the name of the game. If you're a narcissist, we can agree. How does that take form? Straight up gaslight where it's like, you didn't see what you saw. Uh, You're crazy. Uh, Minimizing. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't what you thought it was. Rationalizing. I only did that because you did, you said this. So I had to do that. Blaming. It's your fault. I'm this way. Okay. Sweeping under the rug. All, All the different ways that people gaslight that are narcissistic. Basically the attempt is to make you feel like you're the cray cray and they're perfectly fine. And you are off the rails and you're imagining things. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? Dun 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 dun. We take the trip over to addiction town and we're like, yep, check check, manipulation. Addicts, active, manipulate. That is for shiz. And how do they do it? They gaslight you. You didn't see what you saw. That's not a beer can. I don't know what that is. That's a tulip, you know? Uh, I, I'm not drunk. I didn't use today. Uh you're you you make me this way you make me want to drink so you can see very clearly i don't need to beat a dead horse this is that's a terrible thing to say i wonder why that came about don't tell me i don't want to know that's a terrible thing to say you know here's the thing you're you're like okay heidi i get it narcissistic behavior of manipulation and gaslighting is absolutely present in active addiction will it go away when they get sober Will suddenly the manipulation end? Yeah. When I was working in treatment, and I was in the treatment center for, you know, a decade, getting all my chops, learning all these things and figuring all this stuff out, what I've come to understand is getting off the of drugs and alcohol is easy. Now, don't hate me for saying that because you're like, it's easy. You're right. It's the hardest thing in the world. It's easy to detox physiologically from drugs and alcohol. Not easy. It's not painless. That's Of course, it's like, Jared, stop smoking. It's like you want to tear your own face off and eat it. I mean, it's terrible, right? I mean, if anybody who's quit sugar can know how bad it is. But what happens after about two weeks of not having that in substance anymore is, Physiologically, you're cool. Your body's not screaming out for it and you're not in pain. Now, some of these things last a little longer physiologically. I do know that they live in our bones. It takes a little bit longer, but the hardest thing to break free from isn't the drugs and alcohol. It's not the physiological effects. It's the psychological attachment that we have to the substance that we were using as a coping mechanism. Okay. So what I would say in the treatment center is, look, getting off of drugs and alcohol is easy. You're detox, you're done now. You're gonna detoxing from the old behaviors, detoxing from the attachment to these psychological patterns that you've been running. That can take up to one full year. So when somebody's in recovery, and they've been manipulating and lying and it looks a lot like narcissism. How do you know they're getting better? The manipulation and lying is not that it goes away. It will probably be present because it's just like part of their DNA for a long time. They're trying to, they'll lie about things when they don't even need to lie. They'll catch themselves like, why did I lie about that? That's so weird. But it's because that old behavior is what's the hardest to heal from. And what you'll notice is not that it's absent, but that there's an ownership of it when it happens. So if somebody's in recovery and they're actively working at it, they're going to say things like, Hey, I just caught myself. I'm, I'm full of shit. You know, (laughs) I just made that up or I lied to you earlier. I didn't tell you the truth about this or the whole truth about this, or I hid this from you and they will be forthright and forthcoming. Now, not as a manipulation for a fear being found out that they're going to tell you this to cut you off at the past, or you already know. So they're just coming clean. This is a person who actively pursues honesty with you, actively is, is open with you about what they're, what they're, what's coming up for them and how they're doing. And there no, there's no secrets. There's total transparency. And that's how you know that you have a healing addict or alcoholic or I'm a sober narcissist. Okay. If you have a sober narcissist, they're going to continue that behavior and no change ever going to be made. The only time they will admit it is when you call them out, when you're threatening to leave them, they continue to lie, to manipulate, to gaslight you. And there is no change in that behavior or ownership of it at all whatsoever. You have a sober narcissist on your hands. Okay. All right. I don't know why I just winked at you. That was weird. Um, Okay. Number four, we can all agree that narcissists, have a constant need for validation. What do we call that? Supply, right? You are my supply system. I'm going to come to you and you're going to feed my ego. You're going to make me feel good. You're going to, you know, the last thing a narcissist wants, they're afraid of rejection, right? At the core. And so what they they do is they want to be surrounded by people who see them in the best possible light at all times. You're going to feed my ego and make me feel so amazing about myself. And I don't want to be around anybody that's a reflection of the crap that's really maybe going Going on underneath of all that show that I'm putting on, like the truth teller in the family, you know, or the one who like calls calls the BS. That that's the worst enemy of the narcissist. Same is true in addiction. We can agree. We can walk over from narcissist land into addiction town, and we can say, I can see that constant need for validation. Or if I don't see that constant need for validation, can you tell me what you mean by that? Sure. When you're with an addict an alcoholic, there is an effort for them to minimize or still look good or keep up appearances or curate their image. And so what will happen is as an enabler, you become the supply. How do you do that? You minimize their addiction. You pretend it's not as bad as it is. You feed their ego and make them feel better about what's happening than they should feel about what's happening. They get up in the morning, they've had a terrible night, they've done terrible thing with the kids and you get up and say, well, it's a new day. You don't hold anybody accountable. You don't bring up the addiction because you're afraid that when you do bring up the addiction with them, that you're gonna set them off. They're gonna be angry. Well, the same is true with a narcissist. You don't wanna bring up the stuff that's not working for you or the problems that you're facing because you think, well, the narcissist is gonna disown you. They're gonna be so mad at you. They're gonna be you know, horrible. And the same is true for addiction. So it looks exactly like narcissism and active addiction. Well, how do you know if you have a sober narcissist on your hands, or if you have a recovered person who's not going to be constantly needing to seek that validation from you, when they get into recovery, they start owning their stuff. They're willing to say, I, I, or hold the space at some point in their, reco- in their recovery, like we talked about that they can be a container for you to hear the damage that's been done. They're not oblivious. They're not blind to the impact they're having on their children and the, the the relationships around them. What I recommend is if there are even adult children or any children in your house, okay? I wish I could do this camera. I don't know if you can see. I'm going to try to move this camera. Oh my God, you're dizzy. Do you see that book back there? If you're watching the podcast, you're, of course you don't. It is called What's Wrong With Me? The Lasting Impact of Growing Up in Dysfunction, Addiction, or Abuse. And written by me, Heidi Rain. I will link it below. You can find that book on Amazon. What is it? It's a children's book written for adults that explains the impact of growing up or being around an addicted parent or abusive or dysfunctional parent. That is a great place to start when you're in recovery with somebody to say, Hey, can we look at this book together and talk about some of the feelings that might've come up? So now, you know, they're healing. They're not narcissistic. They're able to like hold the space for you. They can see their own stuff. There's a introspection into the pain they've caused. There's a genuine attempt to make amends. If you're dealing with a narcissist and it's not just addiction, when you attempt to, talk about the reality of the addiction or the impact that it's had on everybody there will continue to be a gaslight no emotional support they'll continue to blame you and say if you keep bringing up the past you're going to make me drink or use that's a person that's never going to be available for you emotionally because they don't because likely that person has a narcissistic trait now I'm not diagnosing okay if you want diagnosis tell them to go to a psychiatrist but i'm saying the patterns are there Patterns are definitely there. And as a coach and an expert in this, I can tell you for sure, this is what I've seen over the decades that I've been doing this. And certainly the decade I was in the trenches, okay? Let's talk about the last thing. But shall we review? Shall we review the other four? Let's do that, okay? The first thing is when you think, Somebody is excessive self-centeredness, okay? It's all about them all the time. And you think that's just narcissism showing up as addiction. And as soon as they get sober, they are not going to be about themselves anymore. They're going to be about you and they're going to pour into you and to love you and add value. But lo and behold, they get sober and it's still all about them. All they do is live their lives for them. There is no you in this equ- in this equation. There is no we in their me. And they ignore you and still go on about as if the world revolves around them anyway. In that case, you've got a sober narcissist, not a recovering person. Recovering person has balance. A recovering person makes their life about recovery and you and, and they have many roles, right? Their a mother, a father, a brother, a cousin, an employee, a business owner, and there's time for all of it what's the second one? Second red flag is lack of empathy. And we can agree narcissists have a lack of empathy and ding, ding, ding. So do addicts and alcoholics. And how do you know if that's going to get better? Well, they're in recovery and all of a sudden they can see the pain they inflicted upon you. They can understand the hurt they've caused and they're willing to listen to it and do something about it and make amends for that. Or do you have a sober narcissist on your hands? They get sober and they still don't have any empathy for you. They don't want to hear the impact that's created on you. They're not interested in hearing how the family feels. Okay? Number three. Number three. We can all agree narcissists are extremely manipulative. They gaslight. They manipulate. They shame. They blame. They game. They do all the things that are no bueno we can go, oh my gosh, the addict or alcoholic definitely gaslights and manipulates and shames and blames and does all the things and games. Okay. Now, how do you know if that's going to go away whenever they get sober is because when they're in recovery, all of a sudden now there's no manipulation. Well, listen, a little bit of manipulation as they're healing and detoxing from that old behavior. But what do we, what do we see? Ownership of it. We see them working on it. We see it changing over time. We see them coming clean and being transparent and offering up information, and trust is like the number one thing they want to establish with you. But if you have a sober narcissist on your hands, manipulation is never going to go away. They're always going to gaslight you. In fact, they'll get sober and rewrite the history and pretend they were really great, happy drunk, and it wasn't that bad ever to begin with. Read me. Okay. Number four. We can say a narcissistic red flag is this constant need for validation. Uh, You're my supply, feed my ego. It's all about me. We can agree in addiction. It's keeping up appearances. It's enabling, it's covering up. It's sweeping things under the rugs. How do you know somebody's better in recovery? You can call them out. And they're okay with that, right? They're like willing to see their stuff. They're willing to own their stuff. They're willing to like be wrong. They're willing to be imperfect. They're willing to like work on themselves. How do you know you have a sober narcissist? It continues to be an ego validation and we're continuing to not bring up the past because we don't want to make them feel bad or they don't want to feel bad and they're making us feel bad for even ding on the fact that they might have been just slightly a little bit stuck boom what's the last thing what is the last thing let's go this one's chris this one's like too easy it's like no brainer boundary issues. When you have a, a, a narcissist, you know that I, I told that joke before, why did the narcissist cross the road? Because they thought it was a boundary. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Obviously we know with a narcissist, they're crossing boundaries. But if we walk over from narcissist land to addiction town, we see the same exact behavior is true on this side as well. There are no boundaries. I am created a special course on how to set boundaries with an addict or an alcoholic, because that requires a special level of ninja skills that you're going to have to learn. So, how do you know somebody's healing? Well, in recovery, in recovery, there is a process of healing for everybody. Here's what I see most often: How do you know this person is just going to be a sober narcissist? When you get when they are in recovery or when they're sober, there are still no boundaries. They still cross your boundaries. They don't. They they're like. Well, surely that was yesterday and today's today and you should get over it and you should be in the present moment and you should want to be intimate with me and you should want to be sweet to me and kind to me and forget all those terrible things I did because I didn't really do those terrible things. I was drunk, wasn't really me, you know, so I'm going to come in bed and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to do whatever because I, you know, that's where, where we should be over this by now. That's a narcissist. That's not a recovered person. That's not a healthy person. A healthy person goes, Beth, I see the damage I've done to you. I've seen it, okay? I've seen the damage my addiction has done and I've done. And you know what? I'm going to be patient and I'm going to give you what you need. But I'm not going to presume to know what that is. What do you need, my love? How can I help you? How can I support you in your recovery journey? How can I, you know, what would you like from me? What do you need to see from me? What do you need to see less of, more of? et cetera, et cetera. What boundaries do you have in place? When are you ready to be intimate? Can you let me know, right? That's, that's a person in recovery. That's a healthy human being that was addicted and now can see the light. A sober narcissist is like, I don't care what you want and need. I'm going to violate your boundaries to get my needs met. Move on, right? Deal with it. So we can see. If I present to you this person, ok? If you're thinking, I'm going to present this narcissist to you. If you're going to go, it's very easy for you to go and not no it's not easy cuz you're trauma bonded but sometimes it's easy to go yeah that's a no brainer that's a no thanks that that's a, I'm going to move on because I can't deal with that that's not the partner that I want but when you have these behaviors over here in addiction and you're you're wondering is this just addiction and when they get sober they're going to turn into a better roses and this person's going to be awesome then you it's not so clear it's not so clear but hopefully what we did today was kind of Mediate that question for you. What I what I attempted to do was to answer the question: How do you know if it's going to be coming up roses, which is probably not the best thing either, or coming up roses? I think that's I don't know, not a good saying. Anyway. Or if it's still, they're still going to have red flags at the end of the day, go back and listen to this again. I just want to encourage you, you know, it's it's like more than once, you know, you can't just listen to this for the first time and be like, yep, I get it. I got it. Go back in, listen to it again, get a little bit deeper, uh, ask yourself deeper questions. If this person was to continue this behavior, is this my person? Now, let's say you've answered your question with me today. Hey, thank you so much. I see the light. This person is, when they're sober, empathetic. They're not self-centered. They're not manipulative. They're emotionally available. I you know, they they own their stuff. I see all this. Great, Heidi, thank you. I can see this is my person. Now what? You still have to work at it. It's not magically going to get better. You still have to pick out the thorns that are surrounding this situation. And that's where we do it in our Addiction in the Family course. You can find that out. It's a self-study course. You can get it over at HeidiRain.com. Or you can come into one of my coaching containers where I can help you fix and rectify, pick out the thorns and make this relationship as good as it can possibly be. Or if you say, hi, I gotcha. I see we're rocking some flags. We got some major flag action over here, girl. All right. Maybe it's time to go. Maybe it's time to decide. And then you come into my toxic relationship recovery course, my codependency recovery course, and learn how to heal from all these flags that have been poking you and hurting you and being destructive in your life. All right. I love you. Sharing is caring. Did you get value? Share it with somebody you know can benefit from it. Subscribe. That always helps. Like this. Don't just like it in your mind. Like it out loud. Okay. Because when you like this out loud or you leave a comment, it helps us help more people. All right. I love you. Take excellent care of yourself. And I will see you again next week, as I always do. Or I will see you inside of my group coaching or one-on-one or however we get to work together. Hopefully we do. HeidiRain.com. See you soon. Love you. Bye.